Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. This is Andrew Frezza with Austin Bettigrew, one of our Fit Town coaches, and we are back to talk about the dichotomy of coaching part two. Okay, so we did the episode before, episode 62 on the Seven Figure Box podcast. It was just me, so we're back, we're better than ever. We're bringing on Austin to dive deeper into this topic. And uh, this is a topic that kind of came into my mindset from The uh, Dichotomy of Leadership, which is a book by Jocko Willink. And that's when I originally filmed that podcast episode. But I've been thinking about this a lot, this dichotomy, because especially with what's happened in the political environment over the last couple of years, the uh, social environment as well. If you want to be a better leader, you want to be a better coach, you want to be a better human being, you want to have more success, you have to be able to hold seemingly opposing viewpoints at once. Okay, And that's what this dichotomy is about is when we talk about being a great leader versus being a great follower, a lot of people think they have to be one or the other. And a lot of times it's about embracing both elements of these seemingly opposing viewpoints. And, uh, and, and we're gonna talk about how that applies to coaching. And, uh, and this really came to come mind for us recently because we're working with a new group of our Rockstar Coaching course uh, cohort. We've got a group, group cohort going through it. And we really rely on our gym owners to help their coaches get better in this cohort because we don't get to see their coaches on a daily basis. So we can't just say, hey, you all need to be more commanding in front of the, the class. We can't just say you all need to be more caring in front of the class. We try to give everyone principles, but really where we need to understand is that these two things fall on a spectrum. And for some coaches, they're already well commanding enough. They don't need to be more commanding. And for other coaches, they're more, they're more caring, they're command, caring enough, and they don't need to be more caring necessarily. They need to learn how to be more commanding in front of the group. All right, so we're gonna dive into that dichotomy today. And uh, I'll kick it over to you, Austin. Like, what's the first thing that you think about when you think about this dichotomy or this opposing viewpoints? Yeah, so um, I think you your last statement kind of hit it on the head when you're talking about we can't give one general statement and hope it sticks with every single person. The thing I like about the Rockstar coaching course is that it kind of gives the owners a, a, a place to sit back and examine or view their coaches at work and kind of can allow them essentially to give the help where it's needed. So like you said, if there is a coach who um, is, let's just say, Caring is the word. They're caring too much. I don't know if that's possible, but they're yeah. caring a little too much. Well, the way I would um, summarize that is they're getting stuck with one-on-one with one conversations yep. for too long. 100%. So maybe they're stuck in that one-on-one conversation for too long because, you know, maybe Cindy Lou told them they're having a bad day and then he just wants to fix Cindy Lou so bad. And with that happening, he's forgetting the rest of the group. Yeah. The, the owner now has, um, or head coach or whoever is doing those, um, class examinations now has something to look back on and be like, hey, you're like, you did really awesome at this and you need to do awesome at that, but you can't do awesome at this at this, you know, at, at the downfall of commanding the rest of the group because there could potentially be up to 20 people or whatever the uh, class cap is of 19 other people who need your attention just as much as Cindy alluded that mm-hmm. in that one scenario. So um, to me, it's, it's bouncing these ideas back and forth and I know you kind of broke it down, but it's not that one is bad and one is good. It's just understanding how we can balance both of them a little bit better. So for the example we gave, it's you know, caring versus commanding. Um, we're going to give a bunch of different examples in a minute, but finding the happy medium for those to make one well-rounded 
Yeah, and since you brought up the Rockstar coaching course, we'll hit on it again. I know we've hit on it recent podcasts, but the the two base levels of the pyramid really show that dichotomy. Mm -hmm. It's like, should you dive into one-on-one relationships or should you manage the group? And that would be the, the cheerleader role and the director role. And it's like, you need to thrive in both and you need to be able to bounce back and forth yeah. between those roles. So for, for a lot of coaches out there, they need to focus more of their time on what we call the macro, the group side. And then for other coaches, they need to focus more on the micro, which is the one-on-one -on -one connection and the one-on-one -on -one improvements, technique improvements, relationship building, all those things. Yeah. Now, I wanna kind of break down some of the ones that Jocko Willing presented in his book, because I think they apply really, really well to what we're doing, and then bring in some of the other ones that that we've thought about with our staff or, or we might teach in the, the Rockstar Coaching mm -hmm. course. So um, he, he brought up one that I thought was cool, like train hard, but train smart. And it's a great example of that will work with your athletes as well. Do you want your athletes training hard? Do you want your athletes training smart? You want them doing both, right? So that's, that's what we want to understand with the spectrum. I want you guys to imagine this kind of visually. If we go past training hard, that looks like overtraining. If we're getting too cute or too smart, then we're not gonna create adaptation with it, right? You see this with a lot of sports specific trainers out there that have their clients on like BOSU balls and they're constantly doing just agility ladders and stuff. And they haven't, they haven't uh, created the hardware for those athletes. I've heard this called like hardware versus software. They're working so much on the software, which is like the neurological component that they haven't created the, the strength and the muscle mass to be an effective athlete, to be powerful and explosive on the field. Um, so they're getting a little too cute, too smart. So we wanna find that balance between training someone really hard and training someone really smart. And then with our everyday athletes, that might look like um, finding that balance of like, like you, might, you don't really have competitive athletes in the gym in the sense of like 90% of your people are just every day, I wanna look good, I wanna feel good. With that said, if they don't, get that push on some days of the week, if they don't feel like they've been challenged, they're, if it always is so smart, then they're not gonna be drawn to that, that challenge and that stepping out of their comfort zone is which draws so many of us to this type of training that we do, CrossFit or something uh, challenging. Yeah, and I, I think to lead into our next one, one that we kind of wrote down with, is serious versus playful. And I think it kind of just bounces off what you were just saying, like you can get too cute, you can get too playful with your workouts and it takes away from the serious aspect of them actually trying to train harder and smarter because you've essentially created so many let's just say it's a skill movement you've, you've thrown out so many different skill movements that there's some people that just can't do them and now they spend a whole day just attempting random things um, that haven't haven't really challenged them where they need to be challenged not that you can't like if it's a ring muscle if you can't create something for someone to do but you can get too cute with it. You can make it too fun and too playful where the serious component of them actually trying to get a workout kind of gets you know, by the way, thrown by the wayside. So um, I think those are some examples of, um, that's just one example of workouts, but like coaches can be the same thing too. Like I think coaches can get too playful and energized with their classes that they kind of, you know, some people are there to work out and they do take it serious and they, they do want to be told exactly what to do and where to go and when to do it. And if we're just always cracking jokes and talking to people and there's some others that are like left out, we're not doing them justice. Yeah, I think, I think about the serious playful dynamic as like someone presenting a workout at the whiteboard. Mm -hmm. 
And for someone like me, I know my natural state is to be more serious and about the workout and about like the stimulus. And so I'm constantly trying to embrace more of the playful side, more of that sincere joking side yeah. and, and make fun of myself or, you know, throw something in the mix that's just going to be like that curveball. Um, so I kind of have learned over the years that that's where I have to lean into. Whereas other coaches might be so much about, oh, we're just going to have a good time. It's going to be playful. And then there's athletes out there that are like grasping for like, yeah, but tell me what the objective is for today. Mm -hmm. Tell me why you created it this way. Tell me why we're doing this and this together. Like they want more, like how can I get a better score today? And, and you have everyday athletes that want those little elements. Those yeah. aren't just your highest level athletes that want those little pieces. Um, but you have to also understand when athletes don't want those pieces. So when you then go into a one-on-one -on -one setting, I was actually just sharing uh, with one of our coaches that's visiting in town today. Um, one, one of the athletes that used to want more of the serious stuff that I've actually learned the last three or four times I've coached her, I get her every Monday morning when I open Beach Fit that like, oh, she's not, she doesn't want any of that mm -hmm. anymore. Like I started to ask her, oh, how many reps did you get in this set? We're doing Tabatas today. And she was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not even keeping track. And then yeah. like, uh, you know, I just, I, I, now I'm finding ways to recognize her for wins. I'm not trying to ignore her now, um, but I'm trying to find different wins for her that don't look like, you know, rep counts or scores or things like that for yeah. her. I think it's tough because I think there's athletes who you think are just coming here to like have a little fun, but then there are details, like you said, that they, they do actually care about. Um, I had a perfect example, actually, the other day. We had some rope climbs in class, and um, we have a lady who doesn't ever do real rope climbs. We have what we call like rope-assisted um, pull-ups, and she typically goes to that, and she always looks happy. and. Every time I kind of nudge at her to uh, do the rope climb, she's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm good here. And it's like, okay, like, I'm not going to push you to climb up a rope. Mm -hmm. um, and then I didn't say anything to her that class about it. I didn't try to push her. And she's like, you know, you didn't push me to try to do a rope climb today. And I'm like, oh, I didn't. You're right. Yeah. She's like, I might have tried it today. Like, she was joking with me. But at the same time, like, there are those times where we just assume and we yeah. don't have the, the conversation with them. I think we should always be checking in with them, always asking questions that can kind of, you know, like we're saying, like basically bring those two together, like allow you to see, like, are they in a playful mood today? Are they taking this a little bit more serious? Like, I think the warm-up's a perfect time for you guys to kind of dig in and figure that out. But yeah. um, that was a perfect example of like, I was just assuming instead of asking and she, she got on to me about it, which is hilarious. Yeah, to build on that, going back to the, the athlete I was sharing, there's a context to that as well. Like this athlete, when she started, was like uh, mid, late 20s with us, didn't have kids. Uh, I think she wasn't even married yet. She was in our CrossFit program um, and didn't transition immediately to BeachFit even when we launched BeachFit. And then now she's got two young kids. She's, she's married. She's hitting our earliest class of the day. So she's like just trying to get it in 4.50 a.m. Um, whereas she used to be like a 5 or 6 p.m. person. So it's a completely different lifestyle, different objective that she's trying to get out of it. And again, I'm not going to assume that just because her life has changed, her goals have changed, but it does help to know that context of how much of that seriousness versus just playfulness that I want to bring to the table with her. Yeah. Um, I think a big one is, is simplicity versus complexity. Um, so this is something that I find myself battling a lot when I do lesson plans. 
because I like some element of complexity. Um, and when I like complexity, I guess what I'm thinking more is variety. I feel really good and warmed up when I've like hit different movement patterns, different joints. And then I also like to get some kind of like mind-body connection where we're doing some kind of technical element in the warm-up or you know, in the skill work pattern right after the warm-up to get someone ready for the workout. So what that leads to is that variety becomes complexity and I have to constantly like pull myself back towards simplicity because it can lead towards me going over the hour in that lesson plan and just planning too much or people just being confused. So all these great things that I want to throw in, none of them end up being effective because people just feel like I'm throwing the kitchen sink at them and you know, they're just like trying to grasp what the next movement is if it's like coach led versus like being able to just focus on a simple movement. Yeah, I see this with um, younger coaches when it comes to giving uh, technique advice a lot. They're like, they, they're so excited about what they know and what they want to share to that athlete. Um, take whatever complex movement you want. Let's just say it's a snatch. Like, they're so excited to tell you, like, you missed position one and this is how we can fix it and this, this, this. And the athlete has no idea what you're talking about 99% of the time. Like, you're excited for that, which is awesome. You should be. But you also need to understand that not everyone is that excited about the complex movement. Now, what you need to be able to do is take that complex movement and make it simple for them, mm -hmm. and then they can understand it, and then they can make the correction you're looking for. But you'll start seeing that, like, they're just saying, like, cues and corrections left and right, left and right, and the athlete's, like, stuck at square one, or, like, circle one or wherever. They're like, I, I don't know what you're saying, man. Um, where it could have been just, like, a simple cue, you know? It could have been, like, keep the bar closer to you or whatever they were trying to mm -hmm. fix, but they're trying to layer out every single thing they saw wrong instead of just keeping it simple. Yeah, and one, one place that I think is a great place to be simple and complex, to really embrace this concept, is if you take a movement like the snatch, you focus on one small aspect of that movement mm -hmm. and try to refine that small aspect. And we, we often will build, when we have a strength component and we have a snatch or a clean or even a deadlift or back squat that's a little less complex, we'll usually have a focus yeah. for that movement. So that way, the coaches, the athletes can all hone in on one aspect of it. Um, so you take the snatch, if the whole day's built around navigating the knees or the lift off portion of it, well now we get to dive in and be complex without trying to talk about navigating the knees and then the setup and then hips and shoulders rising together and hitting position two and hitting mm -hmm. position one and speed under the bar and punch out. Like now that just became complex again. So um, I think you can get a balance of both by in any given day focusing on one to two small elements of any given movement. I think it helps coaches like like you were just saying, like you like to get complex, you like to dig in. It allows those coaches who are very technically focused to nerd out, mm -hmm. but it just keeps it into a box. And it keeps it into a box that allows, you know, everyone to have some chances to figure it out without them moving on to something else that they're nerding on nerding out about. They can just focus on one little thing and everyone can stay on the same page. Yeah. Um the other one I think is, is important is freedom versus accountability. And I, I think about this more from the standpoint of like a team and an employee. Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to have a lot of freedom? Do you, you know, do you want to work from home? Do you want to be stuck to a nine to five schedule? Do you want to have this rigid schedule? Um, or do you want to have this level of accountability that might come from a more strict schedule or someone watching over your shoulder and again, we want to be able to find that, that happy medium between the two. And like, 
in our case with coaches, it's like we try to have set group class schedules. We try to have set meetings. Mm -hmm. So there is a, a plan and accountability to that. But when it comes to personal training, there's a lot of freedom there to build your book of business at the times that you want, with the types of people that you want. And we found that to be a pretty good balance. Yeah, I think you can really take that into any aspect. I was going to take it into personal training as well, but it's coming from a programming standpoint. Like, they essentially have the freedom, right, to program whatever they want for whatever their clients' needs are. But at the same time, it is my job to kind of look over it and make sure there's not, like, hey, you're doing 1,000 back squats today for time, you know? So it's like this, I have to be in this happy medium where it's like, you know, it's not what I would do, but it's not my client. And I don't know what the client's goals are for the most part. Maybe I've heard them talk, but it's like, I, I can't just go in there and be like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen, change it, this is what I would do. Like, they're professional coaches in their own right, they have an idea, I may ask them like why they did that, but at the end of the day, like I have to give them the freedom to, to do it and explore it and try it out and see if it worked and then just communicate with them to see did it work or did it not. I think that's the best way I've, I've found so far. Because um, I, I can say what I think, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's, I have to step back and let them feel it out. Yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic. I think it's the thing that, I, I know I struggle with a lot, I'm getting better at, but I think most gym owners struggle with, most leaders struggle with, is that balance between uh, delegating and micromanaging, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, uh, it's a tough balance to find. Um, probably the biggest one that I think we can bring into this that I think was kind of the main reason I did the original episode, episode 62, was the balance between a, a professional gym setting versus a family feel mm -hmm. type of gym setting. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw uh, Stu's podcast, uh, or not podcast, his Instagram recently, where he, where he was uh, calling out the lady that was coaching with a baby oh, no. tied to her mm -hmm. stomach. And uh, he got a lot of shit for calling her out. But, um, <laughs> and that led to people talking about the dog conversation again of having dogs running around the gym and hair all over the floor. And, um, you know, I think that people really can, can take this idea of family feel and run, to, run with it to the point that they, they uh, just have this really lackadaisical, haphazard and unsafe environment in a lot of ways. And then there's the opposite uh, approach where it's, it's so professional and it's so dialed in that it's almost like formal and rigid. Mm -hmm. And both of those are way outside the spectrum that we're talking about. We want to be professional and we and we at least want to create a family feel as well like not everybody needs to create a family feel but we decided that we want to create that mm -hmm. so for us it's about fully embracing both of those things and finding the balance of both and there's probably times where we've been too much about the family feel there's been times where we've been too professional but we might kind of skew sway back and forth between those two yeah when you were bringing that up i think the thing that crossed my mind was things like price changes it's like a big one to me. It's like, you know, you could go so family oriented, family oriented one direction that you like kind of bypass that. And it's like, oh, I, I can't change the rates on whoever because they've been here for eight years. And mm -hmm. you know, you, you have that kind of mindset, but then you have the other mindset of like, I also have to survive business wise. Like if I don't change rates, you know, with the economy going like where it is, like, can I even afford to be open? I think you see that happen a lot with gyms. Like, they get so family oriented in that sense that they're afraid to upset people to a point that their business literally dies because mm -hmm. of it. 
Um, so I look at it like from things like that. I look at it also from being a coach. Like you can go so family friendly with them that you're, you, you no longer can get the opportunity to coach them. Yeah. Because now they just see you as a friend. They don't see you as someone who is guiding them in any kind of direction. Like maybe you're the guy who like goes out to party or whatever and then they've, they've gone with you. And now there's like no way to backtrack that. It's yeah. like they just see you as the guy who's crazy at parties now. And then on Monday through Saturday that you also coach them through workouts. Like that's a weird balance to go through. I'm not saying you can't do either. I'm just saying you need to be able and be aware that those things do happen. Um, it's kind of like getting in the friend zone of a relationship. Yeah, it is. Like you, you, you lose a certain energy, I guess, between the two people um, that allows you to... Uh, help that person and and really listen to what's there like listening as a a coach versus listening as a friend are slightly different things and if you're listening as a coach you're really you're actually listening more to fix and help that under that thing whereas if you're listening just as a friend you're listening really just to listen and hear that person and maybe just like help encourage them through that which is different like if someone has shoulder pain they might they will probably need your help as a coach they don't just need you to hear them. Yeah, and you know, to give a real example, like I, I've gone through this like a bunch. Like, I'll find someone in the gym that I really like as a friend, and we become friends. I, I had an example the other day. Is like, not that I can't give this person like, I can't coach him through a workout. I can't tell him recommendations on weight. I can't like, I can still do that, of course. But we were we kind of divided our membership up, and I was like, I think someone else should take him because I think you'll see them much more as a coach than he'll see me now. Yeah. I still coach him every single day, but I think he would listen to their advice like much more detailed than he would listen to me. Me, I, we talk all the time about how to change certain things, but if he had a new voice, a new person that's not his friend, they are his friend, but not like as close as we are, like I feel like they could dig in a lot deeper than what I can accomplish. Yeah, so when I think about family feel, um, I think about like if I have a friend that wants to start at the gym or a family member, like a cousin just moves to the area and they want to start at the gym, like what, it, how do I give them the most perfect experience? Like mm -hmm. what is it? Okay. This person, they want to lose 20 pounds. They want to get back into a workout routine. I know a lot about them and I want them to have the best experience of that. So if they come in, even if that person knows me really well, do I want them to lay in the dog hair of my dog that's in the gym? Do I want them to have my kids running around while they're trying to do a barbell lift? Like, no, I don't want those things for that person. Do I want them to have a coach that is like an asshole, that's like a dick to them and doesn't like say hi to them and doesn't connect with them? Like, no, I don't want that either. Do I want someone that's, you know, so caught up in, in uh, them crushing themselves in that workout that they don't like help they don't learn about the, them and, and guide them through. So um, I think if, if you can actually connect with that example, and you've, you've all probably experienced this, like I most recently had one of my um, teammates from the soccer league that I play in start at the gym with us. So I'm like, it gives me a new perspective on the gym when I have that person that we've interacted for over a year now and really never have talked about the gym. Mm -hmm. And now it's like becoming a relationship where now I can be someone that can help this person. And it, it gives me a different perspective on the gym because I want them to have the best experience of what we have to offer. And yes, I want them to feel like family when they walk in there. I want them to have their name known and I want 
a bunch of people to say hi to them and be excited that they're starting with us, but I also want them to have a professional fitness experience. Yeah, yeah I, th I think that's a, a, a good way to say it. I, uh, I use the example, I had to sit down with one of our coaches the other day and I was like, I don't know the exact point I was trying to make except for the, I think they're better with some athletes than others. And I was trying to like say it in a way that made sense. And the way I said it was like, if there's someone like you in class, I know they're gonna have an amazing time, right? Because you are an entertainer, like you are a friend to all those people. I think if my grandma were to come in and take this class, she would leave like feeling awkward or she may be like upset with the experience. I was like, I want you to have fun, but also give my grandma a good time in class. <laughs> like it's a weird balance that you yeah. have to be able to do because we do have a general population. We don't have like, you know, a team of football players where you can just like slap them on the back and like lift the weight. Like there are people with, they, they accept things in different ways. And if you were like slap your grandma on the back and tell her to back squat heavy, like she's probably like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. I don't even know what a back squat is. Yeah, so I, I, right, how do we create, call it like a hyped environment, how do we create a hyped environment that also feels welcoming to the 99% and not intimidating to those people? And I think you can do that. I think you can accomplish that where, where it, it brings that person in the fold. Maybe it's not your grandma. I mean, come on, she's probably not going to train with us. <laughs> but, you know, someone who's a little bit older um, who, who comes in and, like, how can, it, how can they feel comfortable, feel like, holy crap, like, I haven't felt like that since I was 20. Yeah. That was amazing but still feel part of the group versus you, you kind of draw a hard line in the sand by being too specific or just, yeah, too like all out with what you're doing that mm -hmm. people are like, they're like, no, this isn't for me. I'm out. <laughs> Back to Pilates. <laughs> Back to Pilates. Um, yeah, are there any other dynamics that you think about? I think, um, and I don't know if I have this mapped out quite the same way, but I think about like a class being being full, delivering the full value of what, you know, you have a 60 minute class, you want 56 to 59 minutes of value in mm -hmm. that class, um, but also not, not rushed, you know? So I don't know what the other end of the spectrum is. Maybe it's like a coach who's very calm and methodical. Like, yeah, you wanna be calm and methodical, but you also wanna like be going out of your way to deliver as much value as possible in that hour. And you wanna have that balance between the, the two um, where there's not, you're not just like minutes, chunks of minutes are not just being thrown away because you're trying to fill the hour, um, but you're not like not giving people time to go to the bathroom mm -hmm. or get appropriate weights because you're just like so on the ball that you're trying to pack too much in. I know this is something I really struggle with. I think I've gotten the most feedback from my coaching because of this, because I'm the one who typically waits for everyone. Like I'll wait for a hundred percent of the class to be ready, mm -hmm. and it's like if you've ever coached a group class, there's like if you have twenty people, there's at least two that are just like five minutes behind you. Like whatever you said, like it'll take them five minutes to realize you said it, and it's a learning lesson for me is like I I can't make the group suffer because of them. Um, so I know for me, balance wise, that's something I've had to uh, work on a lot uh, recently with my own coaching. Um, yeah, going back to what you were saying though, like the thing I see is like having like a good amount or a, a lot of value packed in versus like trying to get done coaching. Those are the two I see. And I see it a lot where it's like a small, like let's say it's a class of 20. Those are just easy to have a lot of energy and have a good time and run the class on the timeline. And then you have a class of four to eight or whatever. And it's like, 
you have to be the creator of energy most of the time in that number of class. And what I personally see a lot of is coaches try to get through this quickly. They're like, yeah. oh my gosh, like there's no energy here and I don't have energy to give. And it's like one of those feelings where you see them like, all right, guys, uh, go get your barbells ready. And it's like the other class had five minutes to get prepped. Like you have two minutes. Like they're just like finding pieces to like speed it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they're taking, they're taking, I would imagine, quietness as like a bad us, thing. Exactly. And to facilitate energy and avoid any type of downtime or quietness, they're speeding up parts of the class that they feel like they need to speed up. Whereas like I see this is a time where coaches can dig in a little bit more. Relationship building, if you want to nerd out on a movement and you have a small group, like what a better time to do that. Yeah. Like in a class of 20, you can still nerd out, but it's a lot harder because of the people you have to touch. In a class of four to whatever I said, four to eight, like it's so much easier. And I don't see how you couldn't fill the hour, if not fill it more, more so with that yeah. class because you, you have the opportunity to touch um, so many more people individually. Yeah, I think if we kind of look at it as a spectrum, as, as you come down in people, it starts to look more and more like a personal training mm -hmm. setting and less like a group setting in the context of what your audience is there, right? Because you could have four people that look like, you know, for just you know everyday moms with three kids that really are just like trying to get their workout in and then you can have four people that's like a mix of some um you know more competitive athletes or just more like higher technique higher skilled athletes and that could look very different so but i agree i agree with you that like what if that that mom would book a personal training session with you what would she want out of that personal training yeah. session and she would want something right you know even if she doesn't want the body weight snatch, she might want a pull up or mm -hmm. she might want to finally feel like she's doing something correctly. Because yep. um, it just, it always feels awkward to her and she's just never expressed that, right? So you, it's a chance to you to, for you to dig into that element on that day that you couldn't, maybe wouldn't have found out in, a, in an 18 person class. And you might also be able to dig in like relationship wise and like she might open up to you about something that's been bugging her the past couple months that you might not have asked her about had there been 19 other people in class, but because there's a group of four, you're like, I have some more time to spend with you. And then you can help them out in that aspect of their life as well. Yeah. And just a small tip in small classes, I love to just get everybody in one side of the room. Yeah. You know, sure. we, we have a big space. So for us, if we don't go out of our way to tell people to get in one part of the room, they will spread out. They will kind of like take as much room as this is allotted there. So I'll tell people on those days, hey, let's stay on this side of the rig. We're gonna crank some music. Like I'll even like explicitly tell them what's gonna happen sometimes because I want them to be like ready to have that energy even though it's not necessarily built in there. Yeah. Cool, is there anything else that you wanna to add to uh, the di dichotomy topic? No, I think the biggest thing is like, I don't think either or is good or bad. It's just trying to get better at combining and seeing both viewpoints like you were saying. I think you opened the, the whole podcast with that. It's like, no matter what aspect in life you're, you're looking at, like you said, like, I think you brought up like politics. I think that's a really good example. Like you can look at both parties and see the bad, of course, everyone can see the bad, but like you also need to be able to look at both parties and see the good and see where you can meet in the middle. And I think you can take that into any aspect you want into coaching and fitness. And um, hopefully you can take a step back and look at that. But I think the biggest thing we're trying to get across is it's not, a good way to do it there's not a bad way to do it there's just somewhere in the middle that might be better yeah so much of it is is black and white and it's it's uh it's one or the other and 
you know, you, you get these, these topics, especially in politics, where it's like, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. And then what people will do is they'll try to find something to counteract that on the opposite end of the spectrum. So like, you know what, I don't, you, you made fun of my, the fact that I have a baby in the gym when I'm coaching or a dog in the gym when I'm coaching. And maybe your dog is tied up and doesn't bark and doesn't shed. And it's like a completely different element. So you're like, you're like, I'm this family feel and like, you're way too professional. You got a stick up your ass and like, you're not, you know, you don't have enough fun when you coach uh, or your, your gym's, you know, too professional in that sense. So people are like, in order to, in order to combat this idea of like, I might be too family oriented, they go on the opposite end of the spectrum when it's usually just a nudge mm-hmm. five or 10%. And there's a lot, and there's a lot more that we agree on than we disagree on, right? There's a lot more that um, is shared between these these components than is uh, mutually exclusive. So I would encourage you guys to just embrace context mm-hmm. around this stuff. Um, you know, in any given class, this can change. In any given with any given coach, this can change. And then just try to develop more self awareness. And the self awareness comes from seeing how others react to you getting feedback from other people around you, getting feedback from your fellow coaches, your gym owner, people like that, so you can start to develop more of this this self-awareness. But yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining, guys. We'll see you on the next one.